Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I've been a pastor. I've been a church um, planter. That was a really hard time in my life. Um, uh, how many of you have been here from the beginning? Yeah, so you kind of kind of know know a little bit. Um, and um, uh, I'm, I'm also a chaplain. So I've been a hospice chaplain for about nine years. I stopped doing that, um, and uh, so now I just speak and, and uh, train in different different groups and stuff. So uh, I got four kids. Uh, my, uh, my oldest is 25, my uh, next one is 23, 21, and then my princess is uh, 18, and um, she's going to graduate high school this year. My wife and I have been married for 28 years, and uh, so, so we're, we're, uh, we're, we're excited, and uh, we're moving. Yeah. Um, we're moving to either, <laughs> we don't know yet, <laughs> we're either moving to Salem, Oregon, or we're moving to uh, Southern California. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I used to live here. So yeah, right. And then uh, so I'm, I'm excited about what, what that might look like. So um, anyway, so super excited. Hey, uh, today I want to visit, I want to talk with you. You know, I know Pastor John has been uh, doing a little series on what's uncomfortable. And uh, so uh I don't know if this is uncomfortable for you, but let's talk about regrets, <laughs> right? That's, that's uncomfortable. So uh, I asked 25 people uh, not too long ago uh, on a text. I just did a random, I just did a random uh, text to a bunch of my friends, 25 of them, and I got 23 appropriate answers back um, <laughs> that, I, that I thought that uh, you, you might like to hear. So I regret not spending more time with my parents before they passed away. Number two, I regret, uh, these are not in any kind of order. These are just the, got, the way that I got them. I regret that I spend more time worrying about my business income than the value of my business. I regret not standing up for my beliefs at the party during my sophomore year in high school. I regret marrying my first husband. <laughs> I have always regretted what I think more about others Excuse me, I, always, I have always regretted that I think more about what others think and say rather than what God says. I regret doing coke because everything snowballed from there. I regret working so hard that I alienated my family. I regret becoming a friend on Facebook to an old friend because I'm divorced now and I'm not allowed to see my kids. I regret not being able to revive my son from sudden infant death in 2005. I regret my decision about my daughter. That was it. I regret placing my mother in a nursing home. I was angry, tired, and felt alone, and she doesn't want to see me anymore. I regret not going to college after high school. I regret not going to the doctor three years ago for a checkup. 
I regret being a cocky know-it-all. It seems like that's my reputation now. I regret staying in an unhealthy relationship. I'm not happy, and neither is she. I regret selling my In Through the Outdoor album by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> only for only $50 to buy the other thing I regret. I'm not going to say who that was, but he's standing in front of you. I regret not pursuing my master's degree. Don't judge me. I regret last night's dinner. That's what somebody said. I regret dedicating the song, Don't Stand So Close to Me, to my ex-girlfriend, Dee Dee. Look that one up. It's a good one. Uh, I regret that I chased a man who didn't want me while pushing away the one that did. I'm alone now, going on three years. I regret not seeing Pink Floyd in 1978. <laughs> I regret not saying I love you. Last one, I regret holding a grudge for a long time with my sister that went to her grave. Regrets, aren't they crazy? And I bet if we were to really be honest, really be genuine about where we are today, maybe where you sit today, maybe where things are in your own life, I wonder how much regret you have. I wonder how much I have. I wonder how much you carry with you every single day around to your families offices, your, your business, your school, and you keep bringing it around, and you kind of live under that cloud, right? That's what it is. There's really not a biblical word for regret. The closest thing that comes to it is probably what we would say guilt, and we know what that feels like, right? It's challenging. We feel the weight you're never going to be able to get out of it. This is punishment that you have to live on for the rest of your life. I remember talking to my dad, and he was close to the end of his death. And I said, Dad, you, you know, we've, we've, we've shared a lot of things. We've done a lot of things. But do you, do you have anything you want to, you want to say? Do you have anything that you want to, you want to do? you want to? You know, and he was never really one to share his feelings, but I, I just felt like that was the right thing to do, really. You know, you kind of do what, what you kind of feel like you need to do. And he says, you know what, Steve, for 35 years, I've been holding this, and it's probably about time that I get rid of it. And I wanted to everything. I just wanted to sit back and was like, oh, kind of like you just got beat down by a huge crashing wave. It, it, probably to the world, it didn't mean the world. It didn't. Well, it wasn't as big as he thought it would be. But it was weighing down on him and constantly telling him what he was going to be and who he was going to be, and he never could live down that. He could never let go of that. That's what regret does to us. It's that repeating. It's that replaying. Every time you come around, that person, oh, I remember back in 1942, you did this. 
I was looking at you because you were probably the oldest in the room here. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or way back, you know, in high school. You know, you did this to me, and I'm never going to forget that. Never. You know, that kind of a thing. Or that weighing down or that replaying idea that you lost your business and you think you're never going to be able to get another business off the ground. You're never going to be able to make it past 13 months because 13 months was the end of your business. You lost money. You lost family members through it. You owe people. And things go on and on and on. And you think, man, is this ever going to go away? Oftentimes, uh, <clears throat> in in um, in regret, we we feel peer pressure from others. We feel um, like we're we have to constantly keep an edge on people, and so we'll hold that regret to ourselves to to try to place card ourselves. As a counselor, I've seen lots of different kinds of regrets, childhood regrets where there's favoring others more than another. There's abuse or there's neglect. There's accidents that have happened. There's high expectations of sports and academics. And when you don't achieve those expectations, your parents or you have said, you're better than that. I can't believe you've lost that match. I can't believe you didn't nail that dismount. I can't believe that you didn't do this. I can't, I, what's wrong with you? And the regret of having kids, maybe. The regret of, of, uh, of, of, of an abortion. It's all kinds of things that we think about, you know, that are, that are regretful things. Not able to forgive after or before a situation's happened. There's, there's the kind of regrets in a marriage where, you know, I married too soon or I married too old. And there's the marriage feeling of divorce and not ending this years ago like we should have. Or, and the regrets of hanging on and holding on for something that's never going to happen. F there's financial regrets. Borrowing too soon or borrowing too much. And there's now there's debt and now you, you're walking around with so much pressure and you if you don't perform then you don't get the money and then the credit cards is going to be one more month and they've already told you that if you're late one more time you know and all these things are going on and you just regret borrowing that money and you regret buying things or spiritual regret there's sin in our lives that we participated in knowing that it was not the right thing but we did it anyway because it was fun or because it was going to make us feel good or is gonna, we thought it was going to leverage us, but we took advantage of a situation, and now people know about it. Now, of course, God knows about it, and it's, it's rough, and it feels waiting on us. Somebody told me once that the two words, the most saddest words in America, in the world today, is if only. If only I would have. If, if only I would have stayed in school, if only I would have married for the right reason, if only I would have not cut my hair, <laughs> I would have just have hair, uh, if only, 
If only, if only, if only. Have you ever heard people say that? Have you ever said that? You're just like, if only I could do this. You know, you think, you started thinking about it. It's like, well, it's kind of a downer. I mean, it's kind of, you know, but we do it all the time, though. And sometimes we do it even without us even really realizing that we're doing it because we're pushing ourselves down so much and we downplay it so much. One of the biggest ways that the devil can beat us down, I believe, is by reminding us of our bad things, reminding us of our sin, reminding us of the things that we regret. Even if you dealt with your regret to the best of your ability, the devil's going to remind you, oh, remember that time? Oh, yeah, well, you think you're, you're smiling about that, but what about this? And that's just the way that, that, that it goes. I know in the scripture, one of my favorite psalms is Psalms 119. And if you have your Bible and you want to do that, um, there's just the first, first uh, eight verses. And I, I love this um, because I want you to know, and I'm going to say this probably a couple of times, our regrets, your regrets, don't add up. They actually subtract from your life. Our regrets don't add up. They subtract from your life. And so in Psalm 119, uh, there was a period of time where um, I felt like the Lord was saying, Hey, um, Steve, I, wa I, want you to, I want you to meditate on my, on my word, and I, I want to take you through something really beautiful. And uh, so, you know, like a good Christian, right, I said, yeah, I'm all in. Go for it, you know. So he says, I want you to read the Psalms. I'm like, all right. So in like four days or so, I read it through. And God, I kind of felt like God spoke to me and said, okay, well, you know, thanks for your compliance. Uh, but can we slow it down a little bit? And uh, so I'll say, okay, cool, cool. That's, that, that's fine. So, uh, so I took, you know, maybe two weeks, you know. And I kept on having this nudging feeling like, I'm not doing this right. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me one morning, kind of almost woke me up, and he said, Steve, stop just reading it. Can you go through it? Can, can I, I want to take you through this book that is going to be actually very healing for you in the times to come. But I can't do it then if you're not preparing yourself now. So I was like, okay, all right, what do I do? And so I did what I always do. I took my journal, and I took my pen, and I took the Bible, and I went very slowly. Folks, I went through the book of Psalms in nine months, and it was so good. It was so good. Um, actually, in uh, the end of May, I will have my, my new book will be out, and it's, uh, it's going through the storms of life using Psalms. I didn't, had no idea that I was writing it for that, no idea. I wrote it in November, but I've lived it the last 10 years, and it's bizarre. Psalm 119 is the longest stinking chapter, <laughs> and it takes forever. And there's parts where it's just like confusing and stuff like that, but the first eight verses are super chill and are super good for us right now. Let me read this for you. Blessed is they whose ways are blameless whose walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all of their heart. 
They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down your precepts that are to be fully obeyed. And then verse 5, this is the, this is the, this is the best one. This is how I think regrets fall in. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would have not be put to shame when I consider all of your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Sometimes I think we say, oh, if I would have just paid attention. Have you ever said something like that? Maybe to your wife. Oh, I should have not made that comment about your mom's meatloaf, right? That probably wasn't a good idea. Oh, I wish I would have listened to what you were doing. I wish, I wish you would have dropped her cup a little quieter. <laughs> Just kidding. I wish, oh, I wish. This morning, I want to introduce you to laying down your regrets. Think about the regrets that you have right now. You might need to go back to junior high. You might need to go back to elementary school. Maybe you don't want to. Maybe you need to go back to your sophomore year in high school, your freshman year in high school. Maybe when you were a senior, you bullied someone, and now you feel the pressure of that because of of, of uh, some other things that are happening in your life or in the world. Maybe I, I was talking to someone when I uh, preached a message like this, and uh, uh, they, they cut somebody off on the freeway that caused a pretty big accident. And uh, later on, he, he uh, discovered that someone had died because of the complications in that and he was never caught. And he confessed to me while we were standing in front kind of having prayer. And, you know, it was years ago. And he lives with that regret. I was on my, I was on my way. I was hurrying through. Cut somebody off, caused them to slam on their brakes. The chain reaction, snowball, however you want to say it. It was a, it was a, it was a wreck. A huge wreck, and you just kept on going. Nobody said anything. Nobody got his license. It's before cell phones on the, on the uh, you know freeway where people can just take a Snapchat, send it in, whatever you know. Whatever that, whatever that weight is that you have, whatever that regret that, seems to just tighten you up. You know what I mean? I believe God wants to do something with that. The message of Psalms is really a book, and especially Psalms 119 is really about adoring God. It's really about worshiping him. It's about discovering more about God. It's discovering who he is and what, what he wants to do in your life, even though you don't know it. It's about operating a daily manual, so to speak. It's like, if I can do these things, then I think I'm going to be in pretty good shape. That's the kind of feeling that Psalms 119 gives. It's the biggest chapter, but yet we skip it over because it's like, oh, it's too much there. I would, I would, I, I dare you. I dare you to, I double dog dare you to take the next five or six days, seven days, whatever it 
would take for you to read through Psalm 119 with a journal and write down observations that you have. Write down some things that you find that are part of what God might be speaking to you about your life. So this whole thing, this whole, this whole chapter is about adoring God. How do we adore God when there's so much pressure in our lives? There's so much, there's so much impact that's been through the regret. So there's a couple points I want to make about this. In verses 1 through 3, it says, Blessed are they who walk whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed, happy, goodness are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all of their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. When God leads me, when God leads me, I have no regrets. When God leads you, you have no regrets. Think about that. Think about your life without regrets. Freedom. I was coming into work, uh, coming into church today, and the two songs that were on my playlist that uh, I just happened to punch in, didn't know that they were coming in, were the same two songs that our worship team did. I really feel like the worship team is anointed anyway, but this morning especially, I just felt like that was a special connection there, and that was cool. And... Miss Newby's uh, doing 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 something, you know. So, and I there, there's, I, I know the I don't know if they're all right here. Worship team, where are you? Where are you? Yeah, yeah. I I I believe I believe there's a anointing on on you, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if that's cool to say. Um, if uh, you know John's going to tell me no, there's anointing on me. <laughs> I don't know, uh, but I I just want to. I just want to say that, that. So when we are living in Christ, according to the scripture, when we walk with God, we have no regrets. So here's what I, here's what I say about that. Jesus already died for our past. He already died for my past. If that's not enough, then nothing is to take away our regrets. So think about that for a minute. If you're living in Christ, you really don't have regrets because he gave you forgiveness, forgive you of sins. There's grace. It's a beautiful word. Grace. Dallas Willard has some wonderful teachings on grace and, and being empowered by grace. I, 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 I challenge you to look at some of those things. There is so much power when we realize that there's no reason that we have to worry or have regrets or fret or become anxious. When I had um, just about a, uh, uh, well, uh, I, in six days I'm going to celebrate, uh, in, in seven days I'm going to celebrate um, being one year cancer-free. Oh, man. Yeah. Incredible. But I was anxious. Oh, man, I was anxious. I was a mess. I struggled with all of these things. And I found the Lord would say, you know, hey, I'm not going to eradicate this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with you through it. And I was okay with that. Other people were mad because I wasn't praying for a miracle. I was praying for a miracle. Believe me, I was. But I knew that God had already spoken and says, I'm just going to walk with you through this. I'm not going to eliminate it. 
I'm going to walk with you. And then as you walk through it, I'm going to teach you some things about anxiety and about being fully engulfed with the fact that when I lead you, Steve, you will not regret this. When I lead you through whatever it is that you're, you're going to go through, when God leads you, you have no regrets. When God leads you, you have no regrets. And it taught me how to pay attention to what really matters. Jesus. And I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. I'm an old guy. I'm 52 years old. Not old as you. <laughs> but I tell you what. People who walk with Jesus have regrets too. People who are walking through some stuff in their life, they've encountered Christ in their life, they love what Jesus does in their life, but they still hold on to some things that have been told to them, some things that have been done to them, some things that they've done to themselves. So I want to say that when Christ leads you, you don't have regrets. So do you need to come to Christ with this? Do you need to come to Christ with this regret? Is there something that's blocking your way? The other thing that made a huge impact with this is verses 4 through 8. And I, I just want to read verse 4, uh, excuse me, verse 5 again. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. I believe that God delights in a transformation. He delights in you being changed. He delights looking at you and saying, I see something totally different. You're beautiful now. Just wait till we're done. Just imagine what's going to happen in your business as you walk with me and as I walk with you along the way. So in order for you and I to be transformed, I think a couple things have to happen. And I've done this with several different people in counseling sessions. I've worked with congregations. I've worked with chaplain groups. But here's what I do believe. I think that if we're ever going to work past or if we're going to walk past or if we're going to really live in Christ to be able to have this no regret type of life that he wants for us, we've got to, re we've got to replace the what if or the if only statements that we make to trust in Christ. Mm -hmm. We've got to say, Lord, if only doesn't exist anymore. I'm going to trust in you. We have dreams. There's no, there's no problem with that. God wants us to dream. And he wants us to say, oh, wow, wouldn't it be awesome to do that? But this is where we get stuck. We want to stay there. Instead of say, but Lord, you know the desires of my heart, so I'm going to trust you. I want to stay in my marriage. So I'm going to trust you, even though it feels like she doesn't. I want a relationship with my kids. I want to do everything I possibly can to make it work, to, to apply grace that I've screwed up in areas. 
So I'm going to trust you. Would you transform me? Would you help me become the best dad I can? Can you help me become the best teenager that I can? My dads, my moms, they're out of touch. They're old. They, they, they don't understand. But I'm going to trust you, God, because I know that you got a better plan for me. The transformation takes place when we replace those kinds of statements, those kinds of ideas with, I'm going to trust you, Lord. Help me out. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, bringing everything into what? Obedience. Bringing all those statements into obedience. Luke chapter 9, verse 62 says, don't look back. That's not just a great Boston song, but there's actually a really good, <laughs> there's actually a really good point in here. Don't look back. Let's face the kingdom of God. And Lord, help me face the kingdom. I don't want to just look back all the time. I know I've made some mistakes. I know I've made some really crazy things. I've done some horrible things. But I'm going to look forward, Lord. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, Jesus, what? He forgives us. Oh, that's great news for transformation. That's the way. That's the beginning of the transformation is when we can be forgiven. Philippians 3.13 says, forget what lies behind, but press on forward in Christ. Sometimes I wonder, sometimes I wonder if this book has really ever made any kind of impact in people's lives. You know, you could, you, could, you could look at my Bible and you can see underlinings and circles and notes and things like that. But you'll never have a transformed life, guys, girls, parents, couples, singles. You're never going to have a transformed life unless you get in the Word. You're never going to have a transformed life. You, you might have some victories, but you will never live in a godly life with a closed Bible. You won't. So part of the transformation, part of that, if only statements, you can replace them and say, Lord, if only doesn't exist anymore. I want to read your word. I want to be impacted by it. Another way that I believe that we can get rid of the regrets and by living in Christ is when we remain in the present instead of romanticizing about the past. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the 70s and 80s. And the music was amazing. It beats any crap that's on there right now. <laughs> and I would love it if Led Zeppelin would tour. I would love it if Pink Floyd would stop the fighting and come back together. Wouldn't it be great if we can have the Beatles, Hologram, John Lennon, can leave Ringo Starr out if you want to. <laughs> bringing, bringing George Harrison back together, all three of them. If you're a Ringo fan, sorry. But wouldn't that be awesome? I love those things. And I could stay in the past. My kids are always saying, Dad, can I introduce you to some music? No. Go to your room. <laughs> There's something powerful about what we love and what we know but we can't stay there. 
We've got to embrace what's ahead of us. We've got to take a look at what's going on. We've got to be able to see what's happening. And the key thought here is that God's plan for our future is his, not ours. So that means we have to let go of some stuff. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye, no ear has heard. But we place our eyes, we place our trust in him. I want to I wanna talk about something um, next, and that is when we deal with our regrets, we, we have to think about forgiveness. And this is the hardest thing for people. When I work through people individually in counseling, there's always people that are just, they can't move past it. They can't move past it because of the pain that's hurt. And I use the illustration, you know, someone will never... Someone who has been beaten and degraded and, and morally and, and physically and spiritually and all those kinds of things have been hurt. Sometimes they don't know anything else. They want to leave. They want to exit that relationship. They want to they stop being beaten. But they don't know anything different. So... They just keep coming back because they've never really experienced what it means to live a new life. They desperately want a new life, but they don't know how to do that. Forgiveness is the first step. Maybe some of you have worked through some of the forgiveness, and maybe some of you are thinking about it right now, about your own regrets and the forgiveness that might come into place there. Because when we embrace God's forgiveness, we sometimes, if, excuse me, I'll, I'll say that again. If we don't embrace forgiveness, we feel cornered by the regret. I, um, I talked to parents about this, and I'm going to mention this a little bit on Wednesday. But sometimes kids will feel cornered. They get backed up by some circumstances that happen or whatever, and they don't know how to get out of those things. So they just feel like they just have to take it like a man or like a, you know, like a tough person, like a real person or whatever, and they just have to go through it. And that's not necessarily God's way. So sometimes we need a way out of being cornered because being cornered starts the regrets. So if you're feeling cornered today, you're being backed up, you're being pressured back into something where you got to make a decision fast. Parents, have you ever said, have, have you ever, your kids have come to you and they said, you know, Dad, mom, dad, I need a decision like right now. I, I'm, I, got, I got something going on. It's going to be really great. I just need you to say yes. You know, I just need you to, you know, can you just, you know, and you start pleading. They start begging and, you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, my kids, I just say, you know, hey, listen, if you're asking for a decision right now without me talking to your mom, no, the answer is no. I go, dad, I, I, I got to make, I mean, she's going to leave in like 15 minutes. And say goodbye to her. You know, but dad, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's going to be great. I, I have to turn this permission slip in. It's like, dude, today. Oh, how long have you had it? Well, it doesn't matter, dad. It just means, you know, and, and, and all this sort of stuff. I said, sorry, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, your emergency is not mine. 
you, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff, you know, and I, I try to help them understand that don't put me in a corner just because you are in a corner. Or I also say, if you're feeling like in a corner, let's, let's help you get out of that a little bit. But kids don't understand that. We'll talk about a way on uh, how, I can, uh, how, how I can encourage you to do that. So the, the very last thing I want to I just maybe bring to you, and then um, our worship team is going to come. After it says in verse uh, 5, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees, then I would, be put, then I would not be put to shame when I consider your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart. Our regrets don't add up. Sometimes I think our regrets can actually be turned into gratitude when we say, God, I trust in you. I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to trust in you. No matter what the circumstances are in your own life, I wonder about where you are in your regrets. You need to turn them over to Christ. Are you weighed down? Do you have the frustration of, I'm never going to get past this. This is never going to work. Your regrets don't add up. They actually subtract from your spiritual life. Before we moved my dad to my house in Kansas City, where we live now, I had to go to his house, and I had to help clean up some stuff. And uh, he sat me down the second morning. We did some cleaning inside and things like that. And he sat me down. We were having coffee. And he says, Steve, today we have to do something that I'm not too sure how to do. And I said, okay. And I'm thinking, okay, let's, let's just you know, get to it. You know, are we going to dig up some trees? Or what, what are we going to do, Dad? You know? He says, we're going to get rid of the stuff. And I'm like, oh, we're going to get rid of that stuff. My dad had been collecting stashing, selling porn for years. And he had been holding that regret in his life. We were getting ready to move. It was perfect timing. He knew he had to do something with it. It was a box about the biggest as this table that he made that had three padlocks on it. Some of the stuff, I'm not going to lie, it was, it, was, it was hard to see. He said, I'm tired of living with that. It's been in my garage. We haven't done anything with it, Steve. I accepted Christ a long time ago, but I still have that. So like a good son, I said, well, you better do with that. I'll be in here. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't do that. It was hard. Some of my upbringing was right there. I was having to deal with that too. I thought I had dealt with it. I thought I was being transformed. I thought the word was washing me through, and it was. 
until we got to that point. And I, I heard from God, like clearly. And he said, you get in there and you let me clean you up too. And I said, Lord, I'm already clean. I, I, I'm good. And it wasn't arrogant. It wasn't. I wasn't trying to be arrogant, but it was just, it was, it was just, I just thought I was okay. He says, no, I'm going to clean you up because some of your memories are still in that box. And he was absolutely right. I had no idea that this was going to be happening. Otherwise, I would have not come. <laughs> so we began to shred. We went through three shredders. Three shredders. We had old nine millimeter films, DVDs, VHS, beta back in the day. We smashed, we poured bleach, we did everything we possibly could. I had to take the I had to take the remains to like five different Kmarts in the back of their store, in their, in their dumpsters, hoping that nobody would see what I was putting in there. Folks, it's time to get rid of the box. It's time to let God clean that out in your life. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.